we hear a selection of bizarre encounters Pennsylvanians reported in the early 1970s, compiled by local researcher Stan Gordon. We go through nearly unbelievable encounters of Bigfoot-type creatures chasing children, peeping in bedroom windows, stealing apples, and holding in their pain till they reach the woods. Just wait till you hear the connections with UFOs, and why Aaron is certain it's all just cows on ladders. It's Wednesday at 9 p.m. Welcome back, everyone. Nick and Aaron. I'm super excited to tell you guys some crazy stories tonight. But first, next week on Tuesday, Halloween night, we'll be releasing our Halloween campfire special, our first annual special, which I'm sure we'll do probably every single year until the uh, the day we, we die. Right, guys? I'd like to think that if two of us die, the third one will continue on doing the podcast. Well, I'd like to think just if, talking to nobody. Well, if one of us dies, the audience, we could use like we get EVPs of the other person, right? Or use Ouija boards, like or use Ouija boards. That again, that'd be real slow. That'd be a slow episode. <laughs> I'd be willing to do it. Well, who knows? In the future, you might be able to like project the Ouija board to people's brains. You never know. What, 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 what do you mean by that? <laughs> like instead of a podcast being like the big in thing, it's like video, but like Google glasses or something like that. But spirits, but spirits. Wow. You can interact with the Ouija board and ask us questions from the comfort of your home. One can only hope. Well, if I die first, Please reach out to me because I, I would love to still record. But besides that, keep an ear out for that episode. Then we'll be taking a two-week break and resuming our normal schedule in November. Shoutouts, of course. Shout out from us here to David Hoy, number one super fan. Shoutouts from you guys. Yeah, uh, shout out from uh, Nick to Troy. Um, and I would like to shout out. Um, the Tri-City Paranormal Society, uh, New York State Paranormal Society. Uh, they had a paranormal investigation at the Dr. Best house this past uh, Friday the 13th. How was and, that? Uh, it was uh, pretty fun. Uh, we didn't have as much evidence as some of the other groups did, but there was some uh, EMF, some AVPs, which... We're a little iffy in my opinion, but what are it seemed to be reacting to our voice, even if their answers weren't quite clear. Um, some physical touch. Um, yeah, that sort of thing. That's awesome. So, yeah. Highly recommend. And they were a great group. Very informative. So shouting them out. I think that makes Aaron the most experienced investigator out of all of us now. So Nick, we'll have to catch up with them. Any shouts from you, Nick? Shout outs to Maddie and of course my mother, who went through the two hours to listen to the Ouija board episode. Nice. Well, that's awesome. So let's get into tonight's stories. I want you guys to put yourself back to the year 1973. All right, lots of disco and cocaine. Exactly. Family friendly. <laughs> the location? 
the Keystone State. Pop quiz. What's the Keystone State? Oh, the Delaware. That's no. the first state. Oh, Utah. No. All right. Last guess. 1973. Keystone. Keystone Light. Light, five letters. Northeast, southwest, northeast. We're in the northeast. But then if you go around, north, northeast, east, southeast, south, south, northeast, Pennsylvania. That's exactly right. Fantastic, Nick. Fantastic. I was born in Pennsylvania. I don't even know that it's the Keystone State. Okay, I'm going to go in a little side here. It's called the Keystone State because of its central location in the original colonies because it was very mm. central, you know, economically, geographically, politically. So it was the keystone of the arch, right? It's the most important piece that holds up the whole arch, I prevents it from be falling like down. The Liberty State because of the bell. Yeah, you think? I think it's part of their motto. It's like something liberty, freedom. But yeah, it's a Keystone State. Go anyway, <laughs> 1973 Keystone State. Specifically, we're going to be talking about Westmoreland County, which is directly east of Pittsburgh and the surrounding counties and regions, right? Back in. 73. Something strange was happening there. Frenzied citizens were calling in daily by the dozens to report bizarre, frightening, up-close encounters with unidentified flying objects in the sky, large, hairy creatures on the ground, men in black showing up to residences, and more to police and local news media. One Greensburg local electronics technician, Stan Gordon, had been involved in field investigations of UFOs and other paranormal phenomena since the mid-60s when he was pretty young. He and his investigation team he formed, and this is how I imagine myself, right? You know, maybe a few years from now, I formed the, uh, I don't know, Capital Region UFO Study Group because he formed the WCUFOSG, the Westmoreland County UFO Study Group. Why do you even have an acronym if it's going to be like seven or eight letters? I wonder if you could pronounce No, you definitely cannot pronounce that. I'm not going to try. So he forms this investigation team, and they are flooded with eyewitness reports throughout this year and into the next. He writes them down. He discards the ones that are deemed you know, untrustworthy or easily explainable rationally. And he investigates himself and with his team personally, boots on the ground, as many as he can. And he compiles his results into a casebook containing over three hundred pages of reports after report of what those Pennsylvanians experienced in 1973, which happens to be known as the year of the humanoid as a result of many, many, many humanoid uh, sightings in the US in that year and around that year. So this is far from the first time that Pennsylvania experienced widespread paranormal activity or even UFO sightings. Have you guys heard of the Kecksburg UFO incident? No. Nope. See, you're not true ufologists. This was an incident that took place in Westmoreland County back in 1965. And it's one of the most famous supposed cases of crash-landed UFOs in history. We won't be talking about it today, but I'll have a link in the show notes for information on that. They even have like a yearly fair in that town. It's a very small little town, right? like the middle of nowhere it's like point pleasant is to west virginia 
it's exactly like that. And they've, they've embraced this, uh, this incident kind of, you know, generate tourism. They have a pretty cool fair over here. Maybe, maybe I'll go one day. Maybe we should all go. But yeah, so Pennsylvania is no stranger to weird sightings. So tonight I've taken that case book that Stan Gordon put together in his 2010 book titled Silent Invasion, the Pennsylvania UFO Bigfoot case book. And you can get a physical copy of this book from Stan Gordon's own site, including a signed copy if you want, or via Amazon, other booksellers, link in the show notes, of course. And this book, I cannot express how incredibly dense and packed with such detail and breadth of reports after report after report. It seriously makes you believe that, you know, no matter what you believe about, you know, the, the content of the stories or, or the phenomena behind the stories I tell you guys tonight, without a doubt, Pennsylvanians, many of them experienced some wacky things in those years regardless of, of what it actually was. So I could not agree, recommend this, this book more. Are we ready to get into the stories? As long as you're ready. Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. We got Bigfoot, UFOs, Men in Black. We got a lot of stuff to talk about, Frank. There's a lot. We're, we're just missing like Pleiadians. Imagine. Yeah. So that actually is a, a good thing to mention at the start here. When people hear Bigfoot, UFOs and all that. Uh, depending on your the extent of your knowledge of those things, you might associate it with a lot of like woo-woo stuff or new age people and new age philosophies and stuff. But the cases are reported in this book are just like things that were police reports that were passed on to Stan that he investigated in person. So they're not um, they're not wild and wacky personal narratives about my romantic experience in the woods with Bigfoot, which those exist. And I, oh, those exist. We, Nick and I at least know those exist. Aaron's familiar with some of the uh, I get the secondhand information. Secondhand. So I want to separate that stuff from what I'm about to tell you guys tonight. These are stories that were verified in the, in the, in the sense that the people who experienced this, oftentimes there were many witnesses at the same time, were spoken to by the author himself and he judged them in person and he believed you know these people are trustworthy let's let's report this so without further ado we'll start with a great one which took place actually a little earlier than 70 this was in 72 around 8 p.m one early october in a small river town community surrounded by woods and old coal mines there were two teen boys anthony and note Pretty much every name I state, which comes directly from the book, is a pseudonym, since especially back then, people did not discuss the stuff openly, and if they ever agreed to have their stories shared, they were given the pseudonym um, by the author to protect their anonymity. So Anthony and a friend, two teen boys, driving down the road, headed towards a friend's house. While driving, Anthony was looking around, you know, he'd probably done this, this short drive a million times before. When he saw a very tall figure in the street up ahead, running directly towards them. Now it's close to Halloween, so Anthony assumed it's some tall prankster, you know, from the local neighborhood, dressing up, trying to scare the local kids. And do you guys remember, you know, when we lived together, 
if one of us was driving, the other one was outside, we kind of pretend to like, you know, run each other over or, you know, we, we kind of threaten each other with our cars or, or drive up to, to, to one of us in the street or we'd walk, we'd like run towards one of our cars. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I have distinct memories of Nick jumping on my car. Actually, like actually jumping on it. On the hood of his car. Yeah. Damn. I, exactly. Right. So that's something that, you know, team boys would do. So. Anthony's like, okay, I'm going to mess with this guy. And the tall prankster, or what he thinks is a prankster, you know, starts getting in front of Anthony's car. And Anthony's like, you know what? I'm going to mess with him. So he starts to inch up towards this large figure, eventually actually making contact with its legs and pitting it up against another parked car right in front of them. And at this point, you know, they're probably chuckling to themselves. Anthony and his friend in the car are shocked. Because it becomes very clear the figure was not a kid dressed up in a costume. The streetlight above them illuminated the figure, now trapped quite well. It was a massive, unknown, human-shaped creature. And the thing dropped its massive arms onto the hood of the car. And Anthony, freaking out, quick switches to reverse. He yanks his car back. And the creature, now released, just continues to walk down the street, unbothered. And he pulls off, he speeds to his friend's house. They get the heck out of there. And when they get to the house, only about two and a half blocks away, there are about eight or nine girls hanging out on the porch. Makes sense why uh, Anthony and his friend were, were heading here now. And they hop out. And they go straight to the mother of the house one of the girls and they start you know well we just saw this thing it was you know it had these arms and this this face and as they're telling her and the mom's not really believing they notice a huge beast the same one running down the street towards their house towards them and all of them all the girls all the guys freak out they panic they all try getting inside the house some of them even going through the glass of the front door in their frenzy to get inside anthony even gets cut up by the broken glass and starts bleeding profusely and the creature runs past right into the nearby woods anthony's taken to a local hospital he tells his mother when she arrives everything that he'd seen he was completely hysterical and crying and his mother's like that's that's impossible. Obviously, you just you got scared by a man in a costume. He's he scared you all, and Anthony swears on his life it wasn't. The police get involved. All the other kids were reportedly freaked out by the encounter. And by the time Stan investigates this case, he's able to interview Anthony directly and ask for details. Anthony described the creature as standing at least seven feet tall, slightly stooped, and he said, quote, it had a raggedy covering of dark brown hair, an ugly, non-human face, and arms which hung down to the knees. Now, his story doesn't end there, though, right? On its own, that's just like a weird encounter with uh, maybe Bigfoot, maybe not. But months later, Anthony started experiencing paranormal activity in his home, seeing a floating, grayish glowing figure of an incomplete form of a man. It would appear out of nowhere and even come through walls at random. And he'd scream at it to get it away and it would disappear. That happened a few times to him and his mother even had a similar experience once as well. And all these encounters 
happened after Anthony's initial encounter with that hairy creature. So, a 1972 encounter to start us off. What do you guys make of that? Because a lot of the descriptions I gave about the creature, about the, um, the paranormal stuff afterwards, that's going to keep coming up in the rest of these stories. So right, what are two, your reactions? Two things. One, the, the creature running down the street reminds me of the Black Eyed Kids story where they're chasing after them in the car. Yeah, what a scary image, right? Like, <laughs> and then ugh. second thing. Not saying that it's not Bigfoot, but do you, what, Frank, and maybe Aaron, if you, if you remember things from Bigfoot stories, what is missing? What part of every classic Bigfoot story is missing here? Are there a few things? Um, are you thinking the, of the smell? That's it. Yes. Yes. Aaron, are you familiar with the, the, the smell aspect of like these sorts of stories? No, not smell. I know like, I mean, I believe it, but like with Mothman, you know, there's like the, his eyes can cause like health effects. Oh, we have um, some of that in, in one of these stories as well, actually. Oh, good. And smells. Love that. Yeah. So but. yeah, to, to quick throw in and, and Nick, there are a lot of stories here that some of them have that smell and some of them actually don't. And it's pointed out by Stan as being weird because often they do. A lot of these encounters are accompanied by a terrible, terrible stench, like just like a, a rotten, like, you know, like uh, it's often described as like a brimstone or, or like the stench of death, something dead uh, or like sulfur. That's usually an, uh, a descriptor often attributed to the scents from these encounters. So, yeah, it doesn't have that. So pretty weird though. I mean, imagine hanging out with your friends and then seeing this, whatever it is, sprinting toward you guys and freaking the hell out. <laughs> pretty crazy. Well, yeah. I don't know. It's, at first I was like, oh, they're all teenagers. They're all going to a party. What do teenagers in the 1970s like to do together? I don't know. What do they like to do together? Drink and do drugs. <gasps> oh. Exactly. But because you added in this stuff with like the parents having witnessed it, you know, I'm more inclined to believe it. Yeah. Keep that in mind. There's a lot of, um, a lot of these will have pretty reputable witnesses. Um, and, and these are all, you know, reported to the police and, um, it became a phenomenon at the time in 1973 and 1974 in this area of Pennsylvania, if not the entire state. It was like a media frenzy. That's how common these, these were. Also, the fact that um, things kept happening uh, is another good indicator. Like, okay, it wasn't like, oh, they were just seeing things or, you know, someone was playing a prank on them. Yeah, so that's, you know? that's just like a weird addendum, right? And there's this, when you talk about the idea of Bigfoot, People fall into different camps. I think we've mentioned this before, I think, with Nick's episode way back, right? The Kinderhook creature. Yeah. Uh, a lot of those questions from that episode are going to come back here. This, the encounters here really point to one particular interpretation of what Bigfoot would be. Um, I'll leave that up to 
Well, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it. We'll we'll discuss it, you know, after these stories and, and towards the end what you guys think. But just think about like what is Bigfoot based based on hearing these stories. So we'll continue. So again, there's there's hundreds upon hundreds. So my stories are gonna skip, you know, days or weeks or months. But just remember that there are many, 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 even in the same day, per day. So we're gonna jump ahead to March 16th, 1973 now. The year where this kind of started blowing up. This is in Mifflinburg in Union County, 5.30 a.m. The witness in this encounter was up early, heading outside to his car, when he smelled a terrible, terrible odor unlike anything he'd ever smelled before. There you go, Nick. Yep, perfect. All right. Box checked off. He looks up towards the nearby woods, and what did he see? To his surprise... He saw about 800 feet in the distance, five dome-shaped objects, each estimated to be about 50 feet in diameter. These silent objects were hovering motionless in place about 80 feet off the ground. They glowed and even appeared to have windows with a light emitted from the windows that was a little dimmer than the light of the object itself that was, it was giving off. While he watched them, they appeared to move slowly from east to west in a straight line, following the lead of the first object. And then they tilted upward, rose slowly, and fell out of sight as they moved northeast. So, got you guys, that's not a big fin encounter. It's UFOs. But keep that in mind. People start seeing UFOs on the same day, if not in the same encounter with. Bigfoot. Um, pretty weird. So not much to really comment on there. Just like a, a little uh, teaser for the UFO stuff that's going to come up ahead. April 15th, 1973. Between Penn and Manor, 8.30 p.m. Over a dozen witnesses called in reporting seeing UFOs in the sky that night. Two people were traveling toward Penn when they saw a bright round object moving across the sky at the altitude of a small aircraft. They made out to be what appeared to be four separated square windows, each admitting light with various colors. On the top of the object, there was a dome glowing white. Suddenly, in the air, a separate aircraft began to move in the direction of the UFO. So like a traditional aircraft, right? A plane or, or a helicopter or something. And the UFO suddenly shut its lights off. And it hovered in place until the aircraft passed by and slowly moved out of sight. Half an hour later, two carloads of people reported seeing a very similar object in the sky nearby at a very low altitude. And they pulled off to the side of the road to watch. And they observed it for over five minutes. Can you imagine that? They're sitting there watching this thing for over five minutes. Two carloads of people. That's, that's what? At least like five. At least five people. Local like dogs in the area people. were freaking out. I mean, probably. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's probably 10 people at least. Dogs were freaking out in the area. And this is a very interesting thing. I want to hear what you guys think about this. It was cited and... In many of these sightings, these UFOs are sighted nearby the power transmission line 
and the Manor West Penn Power Substation. Two hours later, another sighting was reported of a UFO glowing white in the shape of a spinning top, about 36 feet in diameter, hovering and spinning in place. Same description with the windows, the lights. <laughs> now, here's where it gets very weird. So, <laughs> this is where we start getting crazy. The UFO is strange enough, right? But there appeared to be something attached to it. There was a, a sort of a beam of light. It was also described as kind of like a rope. So like a, a light rope, like a, a rope made out of light. <laughs> I know, right? And bacon it's ex rope. a bacon rope. Yes, exactly. It's extended about 20 yards down from the center left of this object. And what was attached to the bottom of the rope? Bigfoot. Some, some sort of hulk or torso was described. And the man who saw this was reluctant to say for certain that it was human-like. It wasn't super clear, but it was about eight feet tall and had color to it. And as he continued to watch in amazement, suddenly the attachment, the, the light rope and the, the form attached on it just disappeared to thin air. And he said he likened it to imagine a string of lights, right? Christmas lights or Halloween lights that gets unplugged and they all just go off at once. Moments later, the object sped off into the distance with a high-pitched sound, causing a big gust of wind to blow through the trees near him. And even weirder, his car engine and headlights, he had stepped out and was watching this, but the car was still running and the headlights were still on. As this was happening, his car suddenly shut off and the headlights dropped to very dim. And when the UFO flew off at the end, his headlights suddenly grew to a super intense brightness. There were a handful of other sightings earlier in that day, but that was the last one reported for that night. So there's a lot of stuff there. <laughs> what do you guys make of that? I mean, so this is something reported to police, checked out. Um, like in, in the record for it to stand. But it's also ridiculous. It's bizarre. What, what is this? What, what do you guys make of that? I mean, I'd like to preface this with saying I'm not the biggest believer in UFOs. Like a lot of the UFO stories that I hear are like, oh, classic. Like you, you described some of the ships as like, it looks like a top. Has a lot of glowing colors. Like it, it seems like something out of a sci-fi movie. And to me, I'm not necessarily the biggest believer. So that's the end of my disclaimer. Um, it's a little weird that people all across town have seen it. And it's not just like, oh, one group of people saw it. And, you know, you know, they just saw something that wasn't there. That's a little weird. Yeah, it happens all I, the time. You know, you know, you accidentally yeah. call in. Hey, police, I, you know, I saw UFO and... Okay, but you, know. <laughs> you never know. It could be an airplane. Like, I understand the, the beam of light is a little strange. Um, but a lot of times, if you look up at the night sky, you're like, is that a star? Is that a plane? And then you like, takes you a sec. That's certainly true. I, I don't um... know. I'm, I'm just not a huge believer. Like, do I believe there's something else out there other than us? Sure. 
Do I think that they look and act exactly like we expect them to? No. So, so Aaron, are you coming from the angle that uh, if one of, if what all of these dozens or these hundreds of reports from separate people all on the same day, all at the same time, multiple eyewitnesses to the to the police, uh, police make a lot of these reports as well. A lot of state troopers had experiences. So, are you of the camp saying that um, if these things are true, then what they're seeing are extraterrestrial aliens from another planet? Or are you open to the idea that it's something different than what do you that? Mean different. Well, I mean, you, you, when people talk about UFOs, what does UFO mean? It just means unidentified flying object, right? It just means something in the sky that you can't identify. It doesn't necessarily mean that whatever you're seeing is coming from outer space, right? That's like, that's like a whole separate jump to that. Uh, there are a lot of other possibilities that could explain because i do think it is kind of ridiculous or improbable that like a species from a different planet or something is visiting us you know actually i take a stance that it's actually more it could be more like supernatural than that if you will interesting right i mean so i totally understand what you're saying because if, if you if you associate this with well, aliens. Aliens. Then it's like, well, how likely is it that there are aliens visiting us? Well, that's that's pretty unlikely, right? We've never have any. Right. We've never had any reason to believe and, that. There's no evidence. Why would they make themselves known? Why would so, they make themselves like, known? They're pretty much making like flashing lights, like look at me, look at me, look at me. Yeah, literally colored lights. Sometimes they crash. Yeah. Why would they crash? Right. Yeah. That one always confused me. Why would they crash if they have super advanced technology and they just crash? Come on. So yeah, I, I totally understand that perspective. Yeah, the gravity is they're yeah. just not used to it. The, the pilots are just not that good in our atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, what, what if they have like super low gravity in their planets and their ships fly fine in like the vacuums of space and then they get to Earth and it's like a magnet pulling them to the ground? There's no way if they're that advanced they wouldn't anticipate a change in Nick breaking a silence to be like what if they don't know about gravity hmm? <laughs> you know what right. they don't know <laughs> they, they just can't grasp right, the I'm idea gonna clip of gravity that. what if they don't know about gravity that's actually a great line that um, is great it is interesting though UFO stories you always there are a lot of sightings around like power lines nuclear power plants places where nuclear weapons are stored you know yeah same with bigfoot though which is same weird they're also yeah. bigfoot signs around well that's well, because what do you make love of that light and bigfoot's here to save us and tell us not tell to us use not to yeah not to nuke, nuclear not to weapons. Use nukes. You, you didn't even talk about the other aspect you said supernatural or aliens what about the ultra terrestrials yeah let's i mean let's talk about that what do you where they're just higher like energy beings. I know nothing about it. I just hear the term get thrown around. And like I think John Keel yeah, said lots of those that, older of this era actually, right? It was Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they're ultra terrestrials. They're beings that are inhabit Earth, but are just on a higher plane of existence. What do you think? <sighs> yeah. Let me pose that to Aaron. So Aaron. Yeah. If we were to find creatures Right, sentient creatures that are not human. What do you think the possibilities are 
for where they come from. Like if you uh, if you had to enumerate the possibilities. Well, faraway galaxy, but that's still improbable because, I mean, without knowing like the lifetime, but generally beings don't just like live forever. Um, so it would be tough for them to get here. Um, you know, could be, you know, government tests and like, it's just actually like top secret aircraft. Um, yeah, that's fair. Oh, certainly. Yeah. I mean, those are the two that really come to mind, but like I said, I'm not a huge UFO guy. Yeah. Aaron, I want you to think bigger. Okay. So people pr- propose ideas that Nick's alluding to that there could be different, um, how would you put it, Nick? Could, could, should we say planes of existence? Energy levels, something like that. Dimensions? Yeah, dimensions. Yeah, different layers, different dimensions of our own reality here that maybe other creatures, other beings can exist in. And maybe sometimes they make their way to our level, our layer. Um, maybe on purpose, maybe by accident. That's a proposal that has no backing whatsoever. No, no, uh, no, you know, scientific theory or, or, or way to test. People point to like, you know, quantum physics and see, uh, that, that explains it. Quantum physics. It could be another dimension, another whatever. But that is actually a pretty popular perspective that some people take where it's like, okay, yeah, there might be aliens, but they may not be just like flesh and bone creatures like us just from another place. It might be something entirely different altogether that we don't even understand. What's your initial take to that? I, I would totally understand if you're like, that's what the hell you're supposed actually, to make of that. That's not like something that's completely crazy. Like, I'll say this, the energy level, I could buy it. Like there's something that just manipulates matter in a way that we can't fathom at the current moment. Cause over time, you know, there's been a lot that we can't explain, but it's not supernatural or paranormal. Yeah. Um, it just is unexplainable at the moment. Yeah. The dimension thing, I don't buy it. I don't think you just accidentally <laughs> travel to a different dimension. But what about it would be, Morty? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. My brain is not large enough. Oh. My IQ is not high enough. Oh, that's fair enough. Yeah, I mean, me too. But it's all Greek um, to me. It's, it's not yeah. like we just all of a sudden, like one of us as we're talking, just phases into like the second dimension. Like nobody, no one just flat Stanley. <laughs> yeah, nobody just disappears like that. That you know of. I mean, I guess so, but all those missing that would be people. Very bizarre. Missing four one one. Nick, where'd they go? They went to the alien dimension. I don't think that at all. That's hundred percent it. Hundred percent. But yeah, that's but, that's that's fair. And so that's yeah. interesting. That so you're seeing you're you're slightly more open-minded to the idea of different uh different energy levels instead yes. of uh you know faraway aliens with crazy technology that can get here without 
dying by the time I mean, they get here. It just seems so unlikely. Like it's unlikely enough that we exist. But yeah. For another equally as intelligent species to exist and then also want to come visit us is like very very extremely unlikely that's not impossible but i wouldn't put money on it that's fair well someone who believes that it's impossible to have uh any type of creature (laughs) smarter and better than humans especially primates like the ones featured in our stories today um yeah i do think it's a possibility and that's a question open-ended question as i tell these stories how how intelligent do you think these things are whether it's the the things seen in the sky or on the ground uh because they seem to have different levels of intelligence and autonomy so let's continue with a short one a creepy one i don't like this july 31st of the same year 1973 a relative of stan reported through a family member and to another family member to stan stan eventually interviewed this man and he claimed that one evening on this 31st he was cleaning up in the bathroom he's washing up and shaving and he lived at the time in the pretty rural part of greensburg and lots of these stories take place in really rural areas remember that these are not really dense urban streets right a lot of these places are are wooded right around the properties that people live on which factors into a lot of the stories so in his own words he said i washed and i shave and combed my hair and put some gunk on after shaving i don't know what they did back in the 70s i had some iced tea in a little jar i'm putting on my slippers and i start sniffling to beat hell i said what the hell could that be it smelled like something a foul odor of some kind of cucumber or something. Now, what the hell does he mean by that? <laughs> Do cucumbers, cucumbers have smell? I, I thought, thought they were just I mostly water. So. Maybe when they're rotten, they smell really yeah, bad. Maybe. I guess so. Um, but there you go, another descent. Now, his bathroom window happened to be open and, you know, just had one of those screens, the screen windows uh, still in it. As he put the towel up to his head to dry off, he saw two shiny eyes peering right through the screen window at him. And he got a little scared. And he reaches out quick to, to shut the window and he accidentally knocks over the iced tea on the windowsill and he just freaks out and that's the end of his report. And this story gets to Stan and he comes and investigates and he tells him. And Stan goes to this, this guy's house and the bathroom window was over Eight feet off the ground. So, yeah. Imagine it's like, that. It's like when um that gnome story when they're up, yeah, they're on like the second floor of the house and they see yeah. like the head of the gnome. That's exactly, and that's so common when people see creepy stuff in windows. It's like, wait a minute, that thing would have to be like twelve feet or eight feet or like twenty feet or. They get on a ladder really, really quick. Big bit runs up. He quick puts a, like a step stool. He quick stands up. Well, if it was Bigfoot, then he wouldn't need the ladder. But what if it was something smaller? That's true. And they needed the ladder. That's very fair. Like a guy with with uh, like a gnome. 
<gasps> three of them in a trench coat. Three little baby big feet. What color is the trench coat? And can we change it? Can we change it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now, just a few days later, on August 4th, at night in the area of New Alexandria, a report came in of a spherical object hovering in the sky over a, a garage. And this one is weird because it was reported as dropping some sort of fiery debris to the ground. And some small aircraft appeared and they seemed to follow the object as it moved and all of them moved over the ridge out of sight. So there are a few reported cases here in the casebook of these sorts of UFOs dropping debris and there are pictures of it and I'm not sure if I can include the pictures because uh, they do very clearly say copyright Stan Gordon underneath uh, but it's literally what is that metallic material that you use to like scratch stuff or like it's like steel wool? Yes, it, it looks exactly like steel wool. Made of like a, like aluminum and not as um I'm thinking of like a really old piece of steel wool I have at home so I don't know if so that's what aluminum it looks like, you know. wool. Yeah, like aluminum wool. That's that's the sort of debris that's it's very hot to the touch. Um and is seen like on fire falling and hitting the ground, falling from these objects. Really, really, really weird. I, don't, I, I just don't know what to make of that. That's just like a random little detail. Again, if these things are like UFOs from just some other planets, like, what? Why are they, why are the lights so strange? Why are they dropping steel wool? Right? Like, what, what, is, what is going on? Anyway, we move on. August 16th in Derry Township in the evening. A man was driving through a rural section of the township when he noticed a large hairy creature on the ground, apparently resting in a grassy area. It looked like he was eating something. And upon later examination by the witness, a large depression was found in the ground there. Well, this opens up a lot of questions because it's like these things eat food, right? So what does that imply to you guys? Like, what's your impression when you hear something like that? Like they see one of these large hairy creatures resting and eating? Well, you said this was in Dairy Town? Dairy, D-E-R-R-Y. Dairy oh, Township. So it was D A. I <laughs> go ahead Aaron what, what joke were you going to make given that no, I was going to say it's literally a cow like just a large depression in the ground oh what's a big creature that likes to lay down cows yeah Dairy so town. that's very fair cows but so you saw a large hairy like humanoid creature he claims yes. yeah it was a minotaur Frank <laughs> oh my god now it's very fair to be skeptical and say oh you know it looks like a bear but i do want to point out um and Aaron, i mean you know this better than me uh, uh, living in a, in a more rural environment than me when you live somewhere you're very familiar with the wildlife right like i if, suppose so i would literally like what i don't even, I, I couldn't tell you what like a like a a badger looks like you know 
I, I couldn't identify a badger. You've never seen a badger? I don't think I've ever seen a badger. No. You've seen a badger? Not in real life, but I know what one looks like. Well, I don't think I could okay. identify a badger if it was presented to me. A European badger or an American badger? American? Because that's the only ones that live in America. Because I can identify the European badger, but like the, the black and the like the white, right? Or is it brown? I don't know. The point being, I would make mu- much worse calls in terms of, oh, that creature I see in a far distance is X versus someone who, who lives in a rural area, especially like farmland, farmers, and so on. Um, many of these people are, are, you know, what do they do in their spare time in the 70s? They hunt animals. Or what do they do for their, their work? They work with animals. Um, so it's definitely I- fair to to call out something and say, yeah, it might be animal misidentification, but um, okay, but hear me out. Perhaps they were making it up. Of course, sure. I mean, you have I'm like, sure. I'm not saying that they don't know their animals. I'm just saying if they saw a cow laying down in a weird position, maybe they wanted to make a story out of it and be like, look, I saw Bigfoot. He was laying right here. That's very fair. Always a possibility. Always a possibility. Though then you become like, would you do that? Would you report to the police that you saw Bigfoot if you weren't like pretty certain? Like, would you intentionally hoax something like that and be known as the guy who saw Bigfoot on the side of the road? Like, what, what do you gain from hoaxing that? Because back then, and this is a big part of, of Stan Gordon's book at the start, he talks about how there's a lot of interest in that sort of stuff now and that's kind of commonplace i mean you still get weird looks if you say like i like bigfoot stories or oh i believe in bigfoot but back in the 70s it was like yeah you'd lose your job right from the farm if you you become known (laughs) as the local cook cook not cook the local cook (laughs) if you were the person who said i saw i saw bigfoot eating my apples that comes up later hey man, you know? maybe he just wanted to eat the apples and get away with it so he fabricated a bigfoot story i don't know that's i don't fair. know this person's motives that's true that's true um say so you can always assume i guess people are lying and you can just blatantly dismiss I, anything by saying people are lying unless I mean, you've seen it yourself there's a, a fair is, point to say there's with other stories i like to give the benefit of the doubt but this one there's not enough evidence to me where it screams like, okay, something might have happened here. It just literally claims that he saw this creature and there's a depression in the ground. Fair enough. And so we move on to maybe a, a, a similar one, but a little more meat to it. August 19th in Hermini, Herminine, Herminine, not sure how to say it, 6.50 a.m. A woman was walking down a rural road. When she heard a loud breathing sound and noticed, of course, terrible, terrible odor in the air. She had just passed about 20 feet from the corner of a road and suddenly she heard a car severely skidding behind her and she turns and just catches this car skidding to the side of the road, just nearly almost slamming into the guardrail, just barely making it. But her attention was immediately shifted to the very large, hairy creature running upright towards her, only a short distance behind her. 
it was the source of the breathing sound, and she clearly got a good look at its red, red glowing eyes. She books it out of there. The thing doesn't seem to, to follow her, obviously doesn't catch her or anything, but she reports that to the police, you know, files a report, and it gets forwarded to Stan Gordon, and he investigates. Um, so again, large hairy creature running towards someone, red glowing eyes. Presumably the car skidding is, you know, the driver of the car also saw this creature in the road and, you know, maybe it was in the middle of the road or something in it or freaked out the driver and that's what caused the skidding. Um, later on, Stan did go to this location after he heard this report and he saw uh, all of the skid marks in the road. So at least that part of the story was verified. And again, I just want to highlight multiple reports are coming in every single day. Um, so while I'm kind of jumping ahead and I'm throwing at you guys, you know, like six or seven, there are dozens upon dozens upon dozens. And we move on. This one is the creepiest. I'll let it speak for itself. Only a few days later, August 21st, in Derry Township, at 2.30 a.m. It was a very warm night and Sue, also a pseudonym, decided to leave her bedroom window open to let the errand while she slept. Now in the middle of her sleep, she was suddenly awakened and was horrified to see a grotesque face staring at her through the window, only three feet away. And again, this window, nine feet off the ground. The creature had pulled back the drapes of the window. It was stooping to peer in. And she shook herself to make sure she wasn't dreaming, right? And as, as she moved, as she made movement, the creature realized, slowly got up and turned a bit, moving backwards from the window in a really slow and, and, and awkward manner. And she watches frozen in horror as the creature puts its hands in and slowly draws the drapes closed again. She noticed it was completely silent outside. She couldn't even hear the normal sounds of, you know, the rural environment that she's in. And she can't even hear this huge, presumably massive creature moving away. As it's backing up, some outside lighting lit up the creature's face. And she swore to Stan she'd never forget what it looked like. She described the face as round and hideous with dark hair that she could only see from the nose up since it was um, that's like the level it was at at the window and the nose was flat and pushed back somewhat like a gorilla the eyes were more round than oval and were deep set in the cheekbones the eyes were dark with no whites no eyelids eyebrows or eyelashes Below the eyes were deeply wrinkled layers of skin, almost burnt looking. And as this creature backed away, Sue, too, too freaked out to close the window, runs into her daughter's room, closing her daughter's window, and I guess trying to comfort her daughter or make sure her daughter is safe. Eventually, things calmed down and she went back to sleep. And the next morning, the daughter reported that she had seen the largest shadow she'd ever seen uh, later that night through the window. 
And everyone noticed in the morning that during the night, they all reported a really terrible stench. To quick add on to that, that same night, two people sitting outside on the porch near Trafford, not too far away, noticed red, green, and white lights in the sky. And they were not high in the sky. And they were darting around and changing positions. And they sat there observing it from their porch for about 45 minutes before they left. It's a long time. That is a long time, right? For your average UFO encounter. Yeah. Isn't that terrifying with the drapes? Oh, Frank, that's going to happen to you tonight. I know, right? Like the way, well, good thing I haven't put my curtains up yet. And I'm um, on like the third floor. If I see Bigfoot, that would mean he's like, he's like, <laughs> like he got a ladder. Like 40 feet tall or something. <laughs> no, what he got it? a ladder, Frank. I guess he already got a ladder, a really tall ladder, really but strong that, ladder. That one's, that one's pretty, yeah, that's pretty terrifying in terms of just yeah. seeing something watching at you through the window. But I will say, yes, it talked about the, um, like the stench and the nose that looked like a gorilla. So it does have those ape-like features that we expect with Bigfoot. But dark eyes. I think yeah, they're red eyes. Right? No, just dark. So yeah, so here I'm, they're I'm just dark eyes, like no black. whites. Yeah. Right? So it's like that's a little different. And the wrinkled, like burnt looking skin is a little different. That is one of the weirdest things about these reports because you have these people, like, right, dozens upon dozens of reports, and the, cre- the creatures that are seen are not all exactly the same. And if the eyes are deep set in the cheekbones, doesn't that give, like, like they're, like, gaunt? Like, the, yeah, the, yeah. the, the frame of the creature? Well, some of the descriptions... Um, of the creatures sometimes they're des- described as like skinny other times they're described as pretty wide though but from this this is just imagine like small eyes pretty like deep in the head right like pretty far back more than the more than the person mm-hmm. right yeah, generally weird. not something you can do with like a mask right you can't really yeah shift eyes inwards yeah, typically, not probably a cow t- though. It was probably, probably the oh wind. Oh my gosh, uh, Frank! <laughs> There's maybe some mold in the house. It's probably swamp gas. But certainly a uh, a different description than what's uh, typical. Yeah. Not uh, not very common to me, at least. I've never heard anything like that. What do you think, Aaron? Really yeah, tall I mean, it, cow. It, yeah, it's a really tall cow on a ladder. <laughs> uh, no, it, it is certainly very strange. And it's not, like Nick said, the typical Bigfoot encounter. But then again, if there is a giant supernatural creature, I feel like it could probably change its appearance if it wanted to. That's, I mean, that's a good question. Yeah. Like, for me, 
I think that a lot of supernatural paranormal creatures, they're intelligent. They don't want to be caught because, you know, if you get caught, you lose your freedom because, you know, they'd go into like a zoo for entertainment purposes for sure. Or be sliced up on a scientist's, you know, that too lab table. So they got to be crafty and, you know, one way to do that is to change your appearance. So perhaps they develop means of doing so. Or it's different species entirely. Could yeah, be. Or, it's just or it's, a different yeah. creature every time. Yeah, maybe. So, yeah, there's like a few different, it's three or four different like descriptions given. And you could also ascribe some of the differences, obviously, in like some of these are like five feet away. Some of these are 50 feet away. Right. So it's like, yeah, I mean, uh, you, you can say, okay, at, 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 at a certain distance, you can't make every detail out. So, you might get the detail wrong and actually might be the same description as another one, but there are some big differences like the eyes. Why aren't the eyes glowing in this one, right? So sightings continued like this nonstop and reports came in around this time period of similar creatures messing with trailer homes a lot, lifting them up and dropping them, unplugging Why? power to them. And generally just causing havoc. The local police were frantic and were like code red for like a month long span responding to these reports because they were happening nonstop every single day. It came to a point where, as I said previously, Stan and his group, the, let's see if I can remember it, the WCUFOSG, I think. That I sounds right. You. Yep, Westmore County it. UFO study group. Yep. They became like the local experts and they had equipment. Um, and I'm glossing over some of the like the testing that they did. Um, but they became references. So the police would get reports and they would immediately call Stan. <laughs> They'd be like, Stan, you gotta come out here. We just got this report. Um, and they would do investigations together, which is crazy, right? Can you I mean I recognize what I'm saying to you guys. Sounds crazy. But there were dozens upon dozens of these encounters. And these are just the ones that were, one, made into this casebook. And two, were even reported to people, right? So think about the amount of encounters people had where they didn't report it to anyone. They didn't report it to the police. They didn't report it to a family member who spread it to another person who eventually got it to Stan. Um, so I want to, I want to again, highlight these are not five or six or however many stories I have separate stories. These are just a few chosen from the innumerable amount, which is why if you're listening at home, buy this book. It is very entertaining reading. I mean, you could just open to a random page and read uh, an account and like three others on the same day. And you're like, what the heck is this? So yeah, moving forward in time again, September 1st in Penn Township, early morning. This is happening in a pretty rural, small community that has actually had a long history of UFO encounters. So people living there have reported seeing things for many years. In this short account, this morning, a man was reporting to Stan the story of three women he knew. 
Oh, I told him this. It just happened. The three women were traveling down the local road when they observed a large UFO on the ground. It appeared metallic and rectangular in shape. Now you guys, I hope you guys are ready for this. Oh, I'm ready. They slowed down in their car to observe closer. As they watched, a door-like structure. <laughs> I see Nick's face say, <laughs> Nick just dropped his head. Hang in, hang in there. A door-like structure suddenly appeared on the surface of this object, along with steps that led from a doorway. Then, what did they see? Well, they saw, they watched in shock, as two very tall, hairy, Bigfoot-type creatures just came sprinting down the steps, just, just hit the ground running, <laughs> and continued into the nearby woods, just... They sped off. <laughs> and the three women are just like, oh my God. What the hell was that? Um, later that day, I didn't include the full version of the story because it's just too crazy. A Bigfoot type creature was caught almost kidnapping a baby at the Youngstown <laughs> Cemetery. What? <laughs> Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Back up. Okay. Why was there a baby at a cemetery? <laughs> okay. I should have given all the details. I'm going to say this from memory. So a mother and her baby were at the cemetery visiting the grave of, I believe it was the father or oh. the grandmother of the baby. And um, the baby was in a, a stroller just a few feet away from the mother who had walked up to the gravestone and was paying her respects when she heard the baby crying. And she turns and she sees a Bigfoot type creature inching up to the baby. And she's like, oh my God, oh my God. And as she like, like runs back to the baby, the Bigfoot creature like speeds up getting close to the kid, but she grabs it. She runs and it, it doesn't chase, it doesn't chase them. Um, however, that's freaky enough. I mean, that's terrifying. Whether, whatever that is, that's, can you imagine that? That's horrible. Um, Later that day, the mother and the baby left and, and went to visit family in another town, another town. And they have an encounter, the whole family, with that same creature on their farm <laughs> right there. They get like chased by it. Really the implication, baby. yeah, the implication there being like, it followed them across town. May have been curious about the baby. I guess so. And it's really weird because you see like the descriptions of these creatures, they, they have like restraint. If you're we're describing like these big, huge ape-like creatures, but they're not going around doing like um, King Kong stuff, right? They're not ripping people's arms off. Well, they're not, not in these stories. There's, there's, I do know one Bigfoot story where he ripped someone's arms off, but not in these accounts. He's not, he's not running up and like kicking chickens and like stomping on dogs. <laughs> 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 what? It's, it, there are encounters in farms. I, I these, guess you're right. <laughs> there's an encounter with a dog in a little bit, which we'll get to. Okay. And oh, I'm just goodness. confused as to why he act the the creature acts the way it does. Anyway. 
So yeah, what do you guys make of the Bigfoot almost kidnapping the baby? The, the Bigfoot baby napper? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Let's roll back. What do you guys, how do you guys feel about that story with the door opening on the UFO and the Bigfoot sprinting out? Is this just the idea that Bigfoot are resource stealing robots for the aliens? <laughs> Hold that thought, Nick. This is just a report. This is just a report by three terrified women of what they saw. They're just reporting what they saw. I mean, if I were... I think it was just a cow. (laughs) (laughs) If I were a uh, supernatural (laughs) being, I'd scurry out into the woods, too. Yeah, why were they in such a big rush, too? Hey, would you want to stick around and get caught? No, I mean, but you have... have stories right like one of the first stories i told like i don't know the bigfoot is seen and it's it's very like slow and awkward and moving right mm-hmm. but in this one it's sprinting out down the stairs out of a ufo well think about it this way you got different levels of like bigfoot maturity like maybe the one where it was slower was a more mature bigfoot it had seen humans before it wasn't scared Whereas these might have been younger Bigfoot that hadn't seen people before and were scared to death and ran. That's fair. Glad to see you're coming around, Aaron. I, hey, I didn't say I didn't believe in Bigfoot. I just said I'm not a huge UFO person. Well, doesn't this just slap you in the face then? You can't separate the UFO from the Bigfoot here. So you sure believe I that Bigfoot is a robot built by... So- aliens i'm so happy you said that so yeah aaron maybe a twist on what you just said maybe instead of different levels of maturity maybe they're just different power levels when they're low power they could like barely move and they move like very robotic but these guys they're coming straight out of their their ufo they're probably just unplugged from the battery so that's why they're sprinting Thoughts? So you're saying like the, the wind up robots where you twist it like exactly. the old toys where you twist it in the back. Uh, no, I don't believe that. Well, they're getting dropped off from a light rope. They're getting, you know, kicked out of UFOs directly. What the heck? You wouldn't think that of just like some flesh and blood, you know, ape creature. But at the same time, they're eating and they're resting on the side of the road. And they smell very weird. Very weird. I don't know. I've seen um, monkeys observe, like, or they they have a behavior where they, you know, they're curious about, especially like human children, like visiting zoos. They're very curious and try and study these creatures because they look just like them. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's not quite. So it's hard for them to wrap their brains around, like. This creature looks pretty similar, but isn't, and they can't figure out, is it monkey or is it human? But in the end, I think it was probably just three cows that scurried off into the woods. Probably, I think that's in hand. The stairs can be, this can be, you know, hand-waved. That's obviously just a ladder. Exactly. Um, I think you're on Everything, every Bigfoot story is just cows and ladders <laughs> in some combination. Well, on that Debunked. note. Yes. Um, a little throwaway on September 11th a woman saw a solid spherical object with square windows again square windows what's up with that moving over trees and later that night 
Another person saw, I've never heard this, a large object described as a radio tower in the sky, reportedly moving close to a vehicle on the road. What? A what does it flying even mean? radio tower? What species of cow is that? I've never Stra- heard of strawberry that. milk cow. <laughs> that one is just a random like, what the hell is that? Um, well, you see, it's actually a series of ladders. Oh, <laughs> Jacob's ladders from yeah, 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 the Old Testament. Um, actually, that's kind of weird because Jacob's ladder people I interpret that as a UFO story. But okay, September thirteenth in Indiana County, eight forty-five p.m. Two state troopers responded to a creature incident that, that occurred in a rural area outside Indiana. The local stated that a large hairy creature had visited his family home and stolen some apples. The creature wandered across the road in front of the house, and the man, obviously pissed about the apples, just shot straight at it. <laughs> You know, none of like, hey, are you a person? Like, no, he just, he was like, that's not a guy. That looks like a, you know, give me back my apples. He shoots it. Now, the creature didn't react at first. (laughs) I love this so much. It just continued to walk into the woods, right? So he's like, I know I shot it. Didn't react. But once it got into the woods, it just screamed. And the, the officers who came and like, you know, took the report, they were like, okay, next time, don't shoot whatever it is. Don't shoot it. The guy's like, okay. Anyway. So locals, was it like a scream of pain? Sorry to interrupt. Uh, that's a is great it a question. Scream? It's not. <laughs> we, I think we can assume yes. Um, okay. Which I don't <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. Why is it wait to scream? And that happens more than once in these stories. I mean, maybe I maybe so Bigfoot funny. gets power from like nature and trees and couldn't let out a scream until he got to the woods. That's some people, interesting. Some people do think Bigfoot is a nature spirit. That's so interesting. I never I didn't even think that. I thought he was just trying to be strong. He's like, don't 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 show him. Don't show him it hurt. Don't show him it hurt. And then once he's out of sight. He's like, I got it. I got to scream. That could be. Well, anyway, uh, when Stan came to investigate this, he met with a bunch of locals and they all were like, oh, eh, you know, we saw this too and this and this. So it turns out there were a bunch more reported um, similar encounters that locals had here. And Stan hoped to find blood. Um, so I think it's sent in for testing. And testing obviously wasn't as developed and advanced as it was or as it is now back then. But in this scenario, at least he did not find blood. And one of the craziest stories that he just got, just because he went boots on the ground to investigate this, another creepy one, a mother around the same time reported that she was cooking in the kitchen in her home when she heard a loud thumping noise. She looked up through a window to see the backside of a giant, hairy, man-like creature on her back porch. Sounds like an innuendo. She watched as it leapt off the porch, landing with another thump. 
The family had picked apples earlier, and they had been left outside in the basket. She watched as the creature walked around the corner of the house with an apple in hand. What the hell? Later on, they found the basket nearly empty, not overturned, just mostly emptied, which implies something we'll talk about at the end of this. So the woman yelled to her teenage uh, son, Rick, to look outside. And he looks outside, he sees the creature, he goes, oh my God, what does he do? He grabs his 35 caliber rifle, and suddenly as he does so, he hears, he, everyone hears scratching on the side of the house, right? So he shut off the lights so he could see through the windows better. And he stepped forward to a window, and he pressed his face up close against the glass. He jumps back, screaming, because right there in front of him, on the other side of the glass, was the stooped down creature with its face pressed up against the glass. <laughs> It's like, boo, doesn't say that, but you can imagine, right? And again, he noticed the nose was flat. Now, in this case, the eyes were reddish brown and the size of cow eyes, which I think, is, I mean, is that big or small? I don't really know. Cow um, eyes, I think, are pretty big. This, I guess this confirms the theory that these are cows, right? It's straight up saying it. Collecting himself, he grabbed his gun, he grabbed his rifle, he ran outside to the front porch, right? And he sees that already, just in that short time that he went outside, the creature had totally moved. It moved very fast. Now it was was still very close in the yard by a tree walking to the road. And it was taking very long strides as it crossed, swinging its long, long hairy legs with a slight stoop. And now he waited until he had a clear and safe shot so he wouldn't shoot, you know, neighboring homes in the background. He aimed right at its back. And without hesitation, he fired, thinking like, oh, I clearly hit it. And again, it doesn't react, besides slightly moving a little faster. It continued towards the woods, and once obscured by the woods, what did it do? It let out an ungodly, (laughs) blood-curdling scream. And it was so crazy, such a crazy scream that it caused like all the neighbors around to run outside and check what was going on. And they looked for evidence and they found a wet, chewed up apple lying on the road, which presumably was dropped by the creature, maybe when it was when it was uh, shot. And when reported to the police, the police show up and they show the apple and the police is like, nah, bear did this. And they're all like, no, it was, it was not a bear. He's like, he writes on the report, he's like, bear ate apple so they were cranky about that and here's a super interesting thing and you guys might have heard this before while investigating this and similar sightings in the area in person stan was walking around the area with a few other investigators and as he walked to the exact location he was suddenly struck with an overwhelming feeling of dread to an extent he'd never felt before. And he just had this sense of he had to leave. He had to get out of this area. And his companion Joe at the time felt the same. And they just they just left. They just had the urge. They just were driven to leave. And in a handful of other reports, Stan says that a lot of witnesses experienced the same phenomena before or during, and sometimes even after in this case, a encounter with a creature like this. So that's a lot, a lot to unpack. but. What do you guys make of that? I obviously Bigfoot loves apples. Bigfoot does love apples. I thought it was peanut butter, or maybe he's getting the apples and he's gonna make 
peanut butter and apples. That's a great snack. Yeah. Is Bigfoot approved? There you go. His favorite meal. I like the getting shot, not doing anything, and then running to scream. It reminds me of that like old cartoon. I don't know if it's Looney Tunes or not. Oh, I just saw a clip of this when they're in like, like the cantina. Yeah, and someone's trying to, and they're the two like outlaws or whatever <laughs> yeah, are trying yeah. not to wake yeah. up the sleeping sheriff or whatever it is. And oh yeah, keep running out to scream. That's that's the only thing I'm thinking of. That's but for true. some reason I'm thinking of. Bigfoot dressed up as a cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to make that a AI cowboy picture. Oh my God, cowboy. <gasps> oh my God. Okay. I mean, in you guys figured it cattle out. Cattle mutilations occurring when this <gasps> happens. Yeah, he's dressed of the other cow. cows. He's yeah, he is the alpha cow. cow. No, he's, he's got cow shaped eye or cow eye sized eyes. Cow eyed sized eyes. I cow eye for the Bigfoot guy. <laughs> um anyway so it's weird too that this guy is like so intent on killing whatever's stealing his apples a lot of stories have these people who just like shoot first ask questions later yeah like what if this was just like a person and yeah you right? know like probably wasn't but what if it was and you just shot an in well mostly innocent person yeah, I mean, he stole apples. That's I think that's a killable offense. Oh, but I think there's one, two I things. Mean, one depends on what state you're in. That's yeah. I mean, you could say it lends credence to the idea that they can immediately tell this is not a human being. Whatever it is, it's not human. Fair. Or you could say that they're just like trigger happy. I don't know. Maybe a little bit of both. Maybe both. That's fair. But, yeah, it's it certainly odd behavior. And I don't know, it doesn't seem like a bear because a bear wouldn't act like that. Yeah, I don't oh, think thanks it's for reminding smart me. Smart enough. Yeah, so the, the apple, the basket of apples was in place in the same place it was, just mostly emptied, which means something came in there and took out apples, right? Yeah, something and bears didn't come aren't, in there. Yeah. Bears aren't that uh, skillful with their hands. It's not like the bears like putting it in like a little gift bag and exactly, it. exactly. The presumption there is that an animal would not leave the basket in place. Um, only something that you know that has uh, opposable thumbs, if you will, like a primate, like a primate, like a primate, not a yeah, cow. Just to just to go on the record, I'm not dismissing every bigfoot story as an animal i was merely saying for that one story there was not a lot of corroboration of like oh well <laughs> like with this story other people heard the scream okay well it makes me a little bit more inclined to believe them if someone can corroborate their story but this Certainly. was literally just look look what i found <laughs> yeah. like in the jersey devil story it was the one farmer was like oh i totally found this corpse yeah. of the jersey devil look at it and it was like a drawing and you know amounted to nothing so yeah that's it's a little fair. tough when nobody corroborates but with this story it seems like it wasn't just a person crying wolf nice that's very fair and then i didn't include 
there are a handful of reports here that have physical evidence, often in the shape of footprints. Can you guys guess what the footprints that are found look like in some of these reports? Cow hoofs. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. What about you, Nick? Are they the three-toed kind? They are. They are three-toed footprints. Three big toes. I'll include the picture in the show notes. Um, I didn't include those stories because, one, I don't think fake footprints are ever reputable because people fake that all the time. Yeah. But the three-toed footprints comes up in a lot of paranormal encounters, a lot of like cryptid encounters specifically, often have three-toed footprints, which makes no sense because people see like the creatures that don't have feet that look like they have three big toes and yet footprints are left where it's big, like huge, like, you know, like size 20 three-toed footprints. Really weird. Really weird. Um, I don't know if that would convince you more, Aaron, or make you even like less believe, like even more skeptical because that's just so bizarre. I just don't understand that. But I'll put links in the show notes and pictures for that. Maybe it's like a giant three-toed slot. That's, you know? that's probably... That's probably it. And well, have you seen like have you seen like the giant ground sloths, like the the ancient, like the extinct prehistoric Maybe uh, they're not extinct. Maybe they're not extinct. That's what I'm saying. Maybe it's just a giant sloth. That's fair. I mean that'd be interesting. I want I gotta look what, look up what that looks like. Now imagine all the AI generated image possibilities for this episode. Okay. September 21st in Latrobe, 2 a.m. Notice a lot of these take place at really weird times, though there are ones that take place in broad daylight. In this one, 19-year-old Becky and her sister were awakened to the sound of a dog growling and chewing away at something. And they also heard this weird sort of tinny metallic sound of metal being struck. And this was outside the modern apartment complex on the outskirts of Latrobe. They went to their windows to see what was causing the commotion. And to their surprise and confusion, just across the street, about uh, 40 feet away, was a tall, hairy, muscular man shape thing next to a mailbox. Becky assumed that the metallic sound was this man thingy, this creature hitting the mailbox. But what was even stranger than a Bigfoot creature just pinging a mailbox? was the beagle dog um, growling loudly while it had the right heel of the creature firmly clenched in its mouth. Good dog. Wow. Good dog. Exactly. So Becky's, you know, squinting. She's like, what the heck is this? She hurries down a level, uh, you know, to the floor below her to get a closer look. And she sees that the creature, she saw that the creature was roughly six and a half feet tall not broad-shouldered, with very small hips. Its shoulders, though, were still wider than its hips, but very small hips. So I'm guessing really, you know, this Bigfoot's got to do some leg day or something. Yeah. And the entire body was draped in black hair, which was not very thick. And the head looked human and male, but was too short. And it didn't really have a neck at all. And that comes up in a lot of these stories. These Bigfoots don't have a neck. It's just like head on shoulders. 
and the arms of this creature hung well below the knees, almost touching the ground. And she watched as it twice swung its arms around the dog, kind of like at it, but not, you know, just trying to shoot away. But oddly, it didn't touch the dog. It didn't hit the dog. It never made contact with the dog. It was just like waving near it or trying to shoot it away. Finally, it broke free from the dog and it just begins to sprint (laughs) down a nearby hill. And now, when Stan was asking Becky in person about, you know, what happened and what happened next, Becky said, you know, I I can't explain why I did what I did next. And I, I just had this weird emotional reaction. When the creature began to flee, Becky had the urge to go running after it. She ran out of the apartment complex in only a nightgown, following the creature towards the woods. And the dog was following and and barking and chasing the creature as well. But she noted the bizarre agility of the creature. It was covering crazy amounts of land with each step, right? And it was taking really big, big strides. It seemed so light on its feet. But at the same time, every time a foot made contact with the ground, every time it landed, she felt and heard a big vibrating boom. Oddly, it never swung its long arms as it ran, unlike other reports. So it's like really long, long arms almost to the ground. It's doing this huge like leaps and it's not even moving its arms. She followed it to the top of the hill and watched as it disappeared into the tall weeds about 70 feet away and she could see at that point how it's the weeds were so tall i mean it she saw the weeds being pushed out of the way but couldn't really see it anymore and the dog which was barking and following incessantly just at that point stopped barking but still kept chasing the thing it chased it into the woods as becky watched you know they both went out of sight but soon the dog reappeared out of the woods and just slowly uh left the scene and you know didn't come back And once the dog left, Becky kind of snapped out of it. And all of a sudden she realized, oh my God, what am I doing? I'm standing alone in the weeds outside in a a nightgown at 2 a.m. Like, am I going crazy? Getting scared. She ran back inside. And that's the end of that report. So what? What the heck is that? That is a thing that happens in paranormal uh, encounters where you are, you feel the urge or a pull to go follow something. Yeah, like almost like mind control. Don't do it. Try and fight it. Yeah. But how do you fight it? I mean, like. Be better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Have have a mental fortitude better than Bigfoot, I guess. You have to pass a, what would it be? Con wisdom con save. save a wisdom save yeah wisdom save yeah I what do you guys make of the dog part the fact that one it was just standing there with the dog biting into it it wasn't attacking it well, it was only a beagle I don't think yeah I mean beagle was really gonna do a whole lot but why like why is it showing restraint when it's a big hulking creature right. Well, yeah, like it just doesn't fit into any clear category. Yeah, I mean, 
like the the protector vibe that it that most primates get around small um you know humans perhaps maybe it empathized with this tiny creature and you know didn't want to it wasn't emotion yeah i mean that too it's not like nick was saying it's not gonna hurt that bad like yeah yeah it's nipping at you but like it's not hurting anything why hurt it yeah then why is it poking the mailbox (laughs) it's like it's trying to figure out how it works so what is for? So he's just like visiting. He's like, oh, oh, what's this? He's poking the mailbox, and like, there's this little dog biting at him. He's like, oh, what's? He's looking for apples. He's looking for apples. He's like, oh, metal apple. The dog's like barely bothering him until this girl shows up and messes up the whole thing. But yeah, I mean, yeah, like the mind, not the mind control, but kind of weird daze that she's in. That's creepy, right? That you could just get a weird feeling to like. Run outside and follow something. She almost went into the woods. Very weird. And we'll move on. Two days later. This one I think is an easy explanation. Two days later in Penn Hills. Early evening. Young boy is taking a daylight walk. Through the nearby woods. When he heard a commotion in the trees beside him. And looking there. Climbing a about in the tree was a monkey-like creature, about four feet tall. It growled loud, then suddenly whipped around the tree branch it was on. The boy caught a glimpse of its monkey-like face and saw it did have a tail. It then ran off, leaving the boy alone and scared. And Stan checked into this. There were, as far as he could tell, no missing animals from the Pittsburgh Zoo nor any escaped circus animals Stan could find record of. Um. So really weird. But I think this one is is pretty uh pretty obvious. I think this was just Aaron. What do you? <laughs> what do you <laughs> yeah. What do you guys think? Like? Yeah, Aaron. Any comments? I mean, can you confirm or deny? I can't really confirm or deny, but I also can't confirm or deny if it was just a cow. That's true. I think oh. it's that's probably more likely. <laughs> okay. Our penultimate story, if you will. Only a little while later, September 27th in Beaver County. It's about 9.30 p.m. There are two teenage girls outside. They're standing around waiting for a ride to come. A friend was going to pick them up. And they're just chatting. Let me rephrase that. I'm trying to use past tense. I keep switching between present tense and past tense. Oh, well. They were just chatting when their attention was drawn to something towards the nearby woods. Of course, the nearby woods, right? Coming across the road and running was a seven to eight foot tall Bigfoot type creature covered in white hair. Oh. Oh, albino. Yeti. True. Now, it being white, you know, was weird enough, but there's more. In one hand, it was carrying a luminescent f- sphere. What? Yeah. Huh? Exactly. Huh? And the eyes were brownish red. Terrified, they ran right back into the house. And the, the creature, I guess, kept running past them, holding Did, the sphere. 
Yeah, I was gonna ask if they tried to grab the sphere from him. No, they did not go towards the eight foot tall Bigfoot creature, the albino why Bigfoot. Not? Would you why would not? you would go towards the okay, well, here's a reason why you shouldn't, because this is what happens. They run back inside, they tell uh the dad of, of one of the, you know, of the kid who's, whose house it is. And this father happened to own the wooded land where that creature ran into, right? Now, when Stan's investigators came and uh, to check out the story and they asked, you know, people in the area about it, they heard a disturbing story about what happened to the father. Evidently, a short time after hearing the story from his daughter, the father went down into the woods to find the creature or at least find some sort of evidence. He wasn't seen for over an hour. During that time, a UFO was seen moving across the sky in that area. It projected a beam of light down into those same woods. When the dad eventually came back, those who knew him said that he started acting quite different after that strange event. And when he was asked, he would deny ever going to the woods, saying, quote, there are some things that shouldn't be discussed. And, quote, he didn't want anyone tramping around in his woods. The man later became very interested in talking about the end times and prophecies, claiming that the end of the world was in six months. <laughs> I guess uh, he was wrong. Stan points out the possibility here of missing time. The man adamantly refused to discuss the missing hour in the woods. So now we have, I mean, I don't want to say what this implies, but potential missing time and what happened? One, I mean, this has a million questions, but I want to know most what happened, obviously, to the dad for the hour he was in the woods. What do you guys make of that? Well, when there are UFO encounters and missing time, that usually means going, going based on everything else that uh, there's some kind of abduction story that follows. Potentially, that is obviously the implication here that the man had a terrible encounter with the UFO or beings in it. And it was so horrifying that he never wanted to talk about it. And his personality shifted. Um, that's a whole other can of worms that, you know, not going to get into today. But uh, how bizarre is that? How scary is that? I mean, is it really that easy to like have something to, to experience something and then have like a personality shift and kind of go a little, not go a little crazy, but kind of. Aaron, what do you make of that? I mean, there's a lot of crazy things here. Yeah. It's, um, this one's kind of hard to dismiss. Like, you know, they all have the, the dad is like an eyewitness of like, okay, you know, something's very clearly up and people don't just change personalities for clout. Well, that's not true, but they wouldn't do it like in a negative manner like <laughs> yeah. this for clout so something happened in the woods was it bigfoot who knows but who knows 
I think something was up. I don't know why Bigfoot would want to abduct a person, though. That part seems a little weird. Like, I know it kind of lines up with the whole UFO thing, but I don't see why Bigfoot. I mean, maybe there's a fascination and like Bigfoot eyeing up the, the kid, like the baby from a few stories ago. Yeah. Maybe uh, Bigfoot's fascination got the best of him and, you know, he needed to get a closer look at the father. Hey, that's fair. And then there's still the questions of why was this Bigfoot white? And what the heck was the glowing orb in its hand? I mean, yeah. like, what even can you say about that? I mean, that's just so bizarre. I mean, what can you possibly say? There's like nothing yeah. to say. I don't know why you would, as a Bigfoot, why it would be white. Because that's pretty obvious. It would stand out right against the woods. Unless it's like a wintertime kind of deal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. And why is it only one encounter with like a white? And there might be one or two more, but like, it seems to be a very rare, very rare type, like the white fur. It's just so a rare weird. Species, a rare species. Well, if you take that perspective, sure, it's it, you could say it's albino, right? <laughs> you could. I'm more of the, and this is gonna sound probably a little crazy. That, uh, dude, I just um, I'm talking about Bigfoot UFO stories for an hour and a half. Fair. You can say whatever you want. Um, but. I still, I still think the supernatural paranormal creatures have some abilities to manipulate energy that, you know, we can't understand. Um, so they can perhaps change their appearance to be whatever they want to be at that particular moment. Don't really know why white, but still, I think that's probably what's going on. That's fair. No, I appreciate you trying to trying to reason reason about because yeah, I mean, obviously we know so little about this, and we have no right. All we have is uh, all we have are eyewitness reports from people over decades and decades. But even that is like not enough to be able to say without a doubt that this exists, right? Regardless of even getting to the stage of figuring out, okay, what is it? We don't even have enough to say that it exists for sure. So it's like, yeah, there's so many different routes, different avenues of, you know, thought experiments you can follow from this. Well, so that's part of the mystery too, is if definitely. these creatures don't want to be caught, why they not make be. it crazy? Like, oh, they're getting close to my trail. Let me just all of a sudden become white yeah. and disappear into the woods and, you know, make people lose track of time. Like, they got some tricks up their sleeve, I think. That very well could be. That very well could be. Any thoughts, Nick, before we get to our ultimate finishing story? I don't think so. In that case, we move to, funny enough, October 25th, 1973, which I believe will be the day that this goes out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A rural community outside Uniontown. 22-year-old Steve Palmer was quite shaken from his experience and this experience was reported to a state trooper who then experienced part of it himself with steve who then passed it on to stan who came to investigate with a team he assembled so on this night about 9 p.m steve and his wife were driving out to his father's farm 
when they noticed an unusually low object in the sky. It was large, red, round, and at least as big as a barn. It was hovering about 100 feet off the ground. They arrived at the family farm, only to realize that family members were already watching the same object from their porch. There were at least 15 people watching. As they watched, it slowly started to descend towards the family farm. Towards a field, specifically, a little ways away from where they were. So Steve and two young neighbors, two 10-year-old boys, they decided to go out to the field to investigate. Steve grabbed a rifle with six rounds. And as they're getting ready, they're hopping in, the, in his truck. They noticed, they noticed the dogs in the area were freaking out, barking like crazy. And they started hearing an odd whirring noise as they hopped into the truck. Now, bizarrely, they also heard what sounded like a mournful baby crying. A loud, loud, just sad wailing from the direction, roughly, of the field. So they drove towards the field, and it's on the other side of a, of a hill on the road, and so they parked the car with the headlights illuminating the way up the hill in front of them, and as they start to climb, they notice the car's headlights steadily dimming, as if its battery was being drained rapidly. They make it to the top of the little hilltop, and they're stunned at what they saw in that field ahead of them. About 250 feet away, a huge luminous object was on the ground or hovering right above it. They couldn't tell. Now, they thought this is the object that just descended from the sky that we've been watching, but it was no longer round or red, but now appeared to be a bright white domed structure with a flat sort of base. It was nearly 100 feet in diameter, and it lit up the surrounding area. There was an odd smell of burning rubber in the air, and they could tell that this object was the source of the whirring sound. Already frightened, their attention then was drawn to the fence line, about 70 feet away from them, in the direction of the wailing baby sounds. Walking along the six-foot-high barbed wire fence were two very tall, dark figures that were slowly making their way towards Steve and the boys. They were covered in brownish, grayish hair, some of it hanging from their bodies. The first was over eight feet tall, and the second was about seven. With no apparent neck and long, hanging arms down to their feet, they had bright, glowing green eyes. They appeared to be very rigid in their movements as they continued to walk along the fence line. The two beasts in front were wailing loudly, and oddly, there seemed to be a pattern to their movement, the two of them, as they took their long strides. The taller creature would reach a fence post and then bellow out loud with that baby crying sound as if signaling to the second one that it was safe for him to move forward. They kept doing that as they moved closer. 
Steve and the boys started chattering to themselves in fear, uh, you know, what they were seeing and trying to explain the way and trying to figure out what to do. And one of the little boys just freaked out and ran back to the truck. Steve loaded his weapon with a tracer, encouraged by the other kid, and fired it as a warning shot over the two creatures. They didn't react. And when he shot the second shot, also a tracer, the larger of the two creatures did something bizarre. It made a brief whining noise. Then it raised its right arm and reached toward the tracer as if to catch it. But instead of catching it, that exact moment, the huge shining domed object next to them suddenly vanished from sight. It didn't lift up and fly away, didn't move. It just disappeared completely. It left behind a strange glowing area where the object had been. And the whirring sound stopped. And the two creatures began to walk back along the fence line towards the woods. As they shuffled away awkwardly, Steve loaded his weapon again and took more shots at the creatures, real shots this time, aiming to hit. And he was certain he hit at least one of them, and he couldn't understand why it it didn't seem to hurt them or affect them. But it did cause them to turn their heads towards Steve and the kid, looking at them directly with their green glowing eyes. Both Steve and the other boy immediately started feeling eye irritation. And freaking out, they ran back to the car as fast as they could, returning to the farmhouse to tell the family what happened. Next, they rushed to a neighbor to call the state police and make a report. An officer soon arrived and was able to see the glowing area in the ground for himself. As they started to leave that area and walk back to the vehicle, they heard footsteps in the nearby woods that seemed to be matching theirs and moving in their direction. When they stopped walking, it would stop. Steve claims this is what happened next. He loaded his last bullet into his gun as the men heard something ahead of them. The officer shines his flashlight ahead and the beam struck what appeared to be the largest of those two creatures, about only 10 feet away in front of them. Steve immediately shot at it in the face seemingly momentarily rocking it back and forth as if it was going to lose balance and fall over. Then, it charged them, hitting the fence that was in between the two groups. They scrambled back to the truck and drove back to the state trooper barracks. By the time Stan and his team arrived, they could no longer find the glowing area, but both Steve and the state trooper adamantly swore by their story. Thank you guys for listening to my crazy Bigfoot UFO stories for the past nearly two hours. Wow. Any final comments before we close it there? Wow. That green eyes. That's different. Yeah. Keeps you wondering if it's even the same creature. And I think it knows uncharacteristically aggressive. Yeah. That, yeah, that's a little weird to me. Like, 
I was on board with the idea that, okay, maybe there is a Bigfoot and maybe, you know, it's choosing to act or it's choosing to, to like appear in different ways. But this is, it seems uncharacteristically like personality wise. Like I don't feel a creature no matter what like phenomena it is. I don't feel like it would switch its personality without good reason. Yeah. I will leave that for the viewers to the listeners to make up their minds as to what the heck to make of that. I guess the questions I want to leave everyone with are if Bigfoot is real, is it a flesh and blood creature or is it something more than that? Why does it seem connected to UFO phenomena? What does it want with people? What does it want with young people? Is it friendly? Does it mean no harm? And why does it happen in bursts, right? There hasn't been a similar burst like this that I know of. I believe this was the last major one in this region of the world. Um, but this could happen again. And I hope if it does, uh, it's well, it's it's as well documented as this. I hope there's another Stan Gordon out there. That's all for tonight's show. Remember to leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you tune in. If you enjoyed, submit feedback at our website, Wednesday9pm.com slash 17. You'll also find the episode's write-up, images, locations, references. I encourage you to dig deeper and purchase this book by Stan Gordon. Tell your friends to tune in while you're at it, and we'll see you next Halloween for our special. Thanks for listening. And remember, make sure your windows are shut tonight. What if they don't know about gravity, hmm?